Uh, we are in a series talking about the life that we want. And the idea with this is just that there are many things in life that we desire. There's many longings we have or many just kind of ways that we, uh, things and ways that we hope to get out of life. There are uh, desires that we have, kind of even the idea with the tree is just we want to see life blossom in certain ways. We want to see life grow in certain ways. And, and yet it doesn't always work out the way we want it to. There's plenty of desires and longings that we have that though they might have good in them, there might be good in them, they, they disappoint. They don't quite lead to what we hope that they would lead to. And so we're, we're talking about several different desires and longings that we have and how these things are disappointed or frustrated or don't quite turn out, and yet how through the resources that we have available to us in God's word and in faith and in relationship to him, we can experience ultimately even truer and better these desires. And if we were to look around just at our world or in our culture, one of the unifying themes that exists or one of the unifying desires and longings that we would have to say exists is the desire to, and there's a lot of different ways that you could say this, but the desire, just simply put, the desire to be true to yourself, the desire to, to be able to live an authentic experience to who you are to be able to be free and live a life of freedom where you're able to essentially look inside, discover what is inside of you, and then as you look inside and discover what's there, go and live that. Go and live that boldly. Go and live that courageously. Don't let anything get in the way, but to look inside, discover what is there, and then live that. And whether you look in movies, I mean, pretty much that's the theme of or at least one of the major themes of most Disney movies that is taught to kids in schools that's continually taught to kids. If you look at just songs and music and the stories that we find inspiring, if you look at commercials, I mean, so much advertising. I, I, I stumbled across uh, kind of one ad for uh, Jeep. It was a Jeep Renegade, and it said to be unapologetically you, and that was kind of the advertisement in order to buy a Jeep, right? That you need to unapologetically be you, and so you must buy the Jeep Renegade. And even to think about that, the name Renegade, right? they would never sell a Jeep conformist. That wouldn't, that wouldn't sell. Be like, be like everybody else and buy this Jeep, the Jeep conformist. Don't be you. You would like, that doesn't even, that wouldn't even register. But the theme of being true to yourself or following your heart or following your dreams or looking inside, if you, if you just if you pay attention to all the different messaging that we get all over the place, that is one of the most consistent themes that we hear over and over and over again. And we like this message. We like it. It promises, it promises a lot to us. It promises that you can be free. It promises that you can be authentic, that you're not fake, that you're not kind of uh, being one person, but really you're somebody else. It promises this authenticity. It promises a freedom. It promises, in some ways, unending possibility. That if you just kind of look inside and don't worry about anything else and be who it is that you are, it promises unending possibility. So there's a lot about it that we like. But while it promises happiness and purpose, 
It promises those things. Ultimately, it's unreliable. And ultimately, it disappoints us. And maybe you have felt this, and maybe you haven't quite experienced this yes, yet, but ultimately, it disappoints in all of the glory that it proposes to deliver. But at the same time, at the same time, we, we need this desire. It's not inherently a bad desire to want to be authentic or to want to be free or to want to experience the trueness of, of who you are. That's not an inherently bad thing. We constantly find that it disappoints, but we actually need that desire. There is a goodness of that desire that we need in order to be healthy. So what I want to look at today and what we've been kind of, what we're going to do through this series is look at why it is that we desire that to begin with. Why is it that we want so badly? Why, why is it that those messages are so constant and ring so true and are told so many times? Why is it that those are the, the stories that we resonate with, the character that needs to look inside and figure out who they are and listen to their heart and then go live that journey despite whatever else is going around them. Why is, why is it that that resonates with us? And yet, why does it constantly disappoint? And how can we truly experience what is offered through this? So that's what I want to explore today, starting with this. Why do we want to be true to ourselves, or why is this so appealing? Why is it so ingrained? Why is this a message that is so powerful? And there's several things I want us to look at. First is that it solves two different problems that we experience. It solves two different problems. If you can be true to yourself, if you can just kind of live your truth, follow your dreams, uh, look into your heart, if you can do all of that, it solves two different problems. And the first is this, that oftentimes we are confused. We're confused about who we are. Many times we are actually confused and don't know who we are. Proverbs says this, which I always have found an interesting verse. It says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. That's just to say, even who you are, your purposes, your, your meaning in life, your direction in life, why you do what you do, those things are like deep water. It's hard to even access that. It takes someone of understanding to help kind of draw that out of you. And maybe you've experienced that before with um, a counselor or a friend or even a parent who's able to kind of help you see what's in there. And being true to ourselves, and that's just kind of my shorthand for that. There's, again, a lot of different ways that we could express that to be free or uh, following your heart or your dreams or whatever. But what that does is solve this problem of we are often confused that we don't even know who we are. We don't even know what's going on inside of there. So when somebody says or when we hear a message, look inside, discover who you are, and be true to that, there's some aspect of that that feels liberating since we would say, yeah, I am confused. I don't, I don't know what's inside. I do need to discover what is inside of me. I don't know why I like what I like, or maybe it's even just tangibly we say, I don't even know what I'm good at. I don't even know, you know, kind of who I am. Sometimes people talk about that. I don't even know who I am. Sometimes when people get older, they start to say, I don't even know who I am anymore. Maybe I used to. Now I'm not even sure who I am. And so this idea 
of being able to look inside and discover solves a problem of confusion that a lot of times we have. This is part of why I think even um, these kind of boomed in popularity, and, and I think they're still popular, it's kind of waned a little bit, but some of the DNA testing, uh, 20, 23andMe, I think, is one of the big ones that was called, where you find out, who am I? Who, who, even my ethnic makeup and my background, and, and for a while, kind of family tree, uh, I can't remember the really popular one with that, but there was a family tree, I remember seeing ads all the time, of being able to look back and see your family tree, and some of that even is, is this process of, I want to even know who I am and where I come from. It's part of why counseling and therapy is often very helpful for people or they find it to be illuminating because you sit with someone and you start to discover, oh, that's why I am like that or that's why I do those things or that's where it came from. It's always your parents' fault, right? Ah, it's my dad, it's my mom, it's those things. It's, now I get it. Now I'm more understand me. It's part of why personality tests or different tests like that, some of you are probably... Uh, really into or have had friends that are really into various tests and they come and they go there's the Myers-Briggs and there's the DISC test and there's I mean there's all sorts of different tests the Enneagram is the one that's probably most recently been very popular um, this is an article from the Los Angeles Times a couple years ago but it said this I think it was in 2020 but the Enneagram is having a moment you can thank millennials and then this quote I thought was just a uh, an interesting quote. You can thank millennials or blame millennials for everything, basically, but this quote kind of shows why these kinds of things are so popular. And one woman said the epiphany that the Enneagram brought to her brought her to tears, feeling as if her authentic self had at last been fully recognized. So if you feel that your authentic self is buried and you don't even know it, then the promise of being true to yourself, it solves this problem. It solves a problem of we're confused, don't even really know who we are. And if somehow I can just be, I can look inside, discover what's there through tools, through assessments, through people, and pull that out, it solves that problem of confusion that we often have. Second problem it solves is that we feel constrained. We feel constrained. We feel expectations, responsibilities, burdens, thoughts, opinions from other people upon our life. And we have felt that for a long, long time. Ever since you were a kid, you have had family or parents that have said, here's who you are, here's who you should be. And I'm not, don't hear me saying that that's all bad. I'm just saying that we have lived with constraints upon us. And we've lived with that with family, maybe even some of you now. Your parents continue to say, here's who you should be. Why aren't you more like your brother? Why aren't you more like your sister? We feel that from society as a whole. We've, we are told, here's what you should think. Here is what you should do. And really, even right now, libertarianism as a political philosophy and just a feeling is, is very much growing where we're sick of the right, sick of the left. We just don't really want to be told anything of what to do. We don't want any constraints upon us. We don't want to be told what to think about this issue or that issue. We want to be able to figure it out ourselves. So we, we feel 
constraints. We might feel that from religion or church and depending on your background to varying degrees. You may feel that even in your job and, and people want more flexibility and they want to be able to do more what they want to do or just as you think about your career choices, it can feel constrained and like you have to fit in a certain box and follow a certain path and so we feel constraints. Sometimes we just feel that in our normal life. We feel the constraints that are upon us from our kids as you begin to have babies and other kids, you, you feel the constraints if you're married upon, with a spouse that, okay, I can, I'm not really just my own anymore. You feel constrained. And so there is a promise that's offered that that can be solved if you don't care about what the other people around you are saying or, or telling you, but you're able to just be true to you. We feel a constraint. Now, there's a part of this that the Bible actually tells us to expect, where it says, again, in Proverbs, the fear of mankind is a snare or a trap, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. We're not really going to talk about um, kind of the flip side of what, it, of what it speaks to, but just this idea that to fear other people or to care about kind of the opinions of others in this strong way is a trap. And that's kind of the positive side of everything I just said. To, to live your life in such a way where you are constantly letting other people put constraints upon you, and you are afraid of what they think, and you want their approval, it is a trap. It's a trap that leads to all sorts of problems in our life. And the promise of being true to yourself is you don't have to live like that. You can be free. This is why so many, again, movies and literature speaks to that all the time. Don't let anyone else tell you who you are. Don't let anyone else, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It matters what you think. That's the constant theme that is told because we feel constrained and it can feel stifling. Sometimes we feel fake, like we're just kind of putting on an image or a mask and being someone that we aren't actually. We get tired of seeking other people's approval and to be true to yourself offers a way out. It offers a way out of that to say, don't worry about any of that stuff. You can be free. So it solves those two problems. It also gives to us two things. It gives power. It gives a power. So it's not just that it solves problems, but the idea of being true to yourself offers a power to you. It offers a power. And here's, here's the reality. Listen, you were not, none of us, we were not created to be slaves. We were not created to be trapped. If you go all the way back in Genesis, when God creates the world, when, as God creates humanity, he says this, God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on earth. This is called the cultural mandate, where God essentially charges humans to go and live and create culture and rule over the world. And that is how we were created. We were not created to be trapped and enslaved and just kind of in a box. We were created to go and live and go and do. And so the idea of being true to yourself is connected in some way to this promise of saying, don't just live your life in a box. Go, live, create. Now, it gets warped 
Because right after this, in Genesis 3, as sin comes into the world, the temptation that was offered to man and to woman, to Adam and to Eve, the temptation from Satan was this. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This was the temptation that was offered to them. You can be like God. You can be like him. Now, there's obviously a positive sense in which we want to be like God to represent his character, but this is different. This is saying you can be the authority. You can rule. Not ruling under him, but you can be the one. And as we think about being true to ourselves, there's a part that is we were created not to be just trapped and enslaved. We were created to produce and to affect change in the world. But there's another part of where this comes from that offers to us a power to be the one in authority, to not have anyone tell me what to do, to not have to submit to anybody else and anybody else's opinions and anybody else's commands and anybody else's thoughts, but I can be in authority. I can be like God, being true to yourself, offers that to you. It offers a power. It says, look inside, discover, and then go live with you as truth. No one else telling you you have to conform to another truth. You are the one in authority. You can be like God. It offers a power to us that we want, that we desire. Additionally, and finally, of why we desire this, it gives to us a safety. See, if I look inside and discover who I am, and then, as I have that knowledge, I go live life and just go be true to myself and do whatever I want, follow my dreams, go wherever my heart leads me, that feels actually really safe. Because we believe, I know that I have my best interest in mind. If I submit to somebody else, how can I trust them? Haven't people in power and institutions and religions and haven't people in power lied to us? Haven't they abused us, hurt us? Haven't there been plenty of reasons to mistrust religious leaders, political leaders, family, teachers, Institution, I mean, there's plenty of reasons to not submit to any other authority. But I believe it's safe if I say, I'm the one in authority. I'm looking out for my good. I might voluntarily align myself with some sort of political leader, religious leader, whatever it is, but I'm still in charge because I know I want my good and that feels safe. So to be true to yourself takes you away from any sort of other outside authority upon you, which actually feels liberating and powerful, but also safe, because I can count on me. I know that I want my good. I know that I don't have mixed motives for myself. I know that I truly will look out for me, and that feels a safe place to be in. So it's a powerful idea. The solution to be true to ourselves solves problems of confusion and constraint, and it offers this autonomy, authority, and safety that we desire. So it makes sense 
it makes sense that this shows up all over the place, whether in books or movies or advertisements. It makes sense that it speaks to us. It makes sense that, that when we hear that message, it's hard for us to hear that and go, no, I want the Jeep conformist instead. It's, it's, it's easy for us to go, yes, rebel, renegade, freedom, be unapologetically me. It makes sense that that resonates with us. And yet, it doesn't deliver. It doesn't deliver what it promises. Why doesn't it? Why doesn't it deliver the freedom that it calls out to us with? Why doesn't it actually deliver what it says is available? Proverbs, again, is helpful here. And you can see what it says here. It says, All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs hearts. Just that idea that all a person's ways seem right to him, that's essentially what we're talking about. Except we're actually looking at, yes, and they should. They should seem right to you because they have originated from you. All a person's ways seem right to him or true to him, right? That my ways are right to me and they seem that way to us. And we're told that it should be this way. But Proverbs also says this repeatedly over and over again. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Which is to say that if we just look at our life and say, what's true for me? Who am I? Look inside and live that out. It will seem right, but it will lead to death. And there's a million different ways that that leads to death. And there's a million different ways that you've probably experienced the promise of being true to yourself or freedom. There's probably a million ways that we have felt as we have gone through life, this seems right to me, this is true to me, and yet it leading to death. There's probably a million ways that we have experienced that and tasted that. Let me just kind of go through a few of them. You can see if you resonate with these. The first way that it doesn't deliver is that it creates a burden. There are so many choices. We live in a world of endless opportunity in so many ways. And when we are told, you can do anything you want, you can be anything you want, you just need to follow your dreams, you just need to do what's right for you, choose that, that promises freedom, but it creates a burden. It creates a burden because with endless opportunity, what ends up happening is you look at this and you look at this and you look at this and then have this fear of missing out. If I choose this, that means not this. Any, any particular thing that I choose, if I can do anything and be anything, it actually is overwhelming and it creates indecision. And so many people live their life not fully committing to anything, not fully jumping in to anything because we don't want to lock ourselves into something for the fear that if I choose this, now my truth and my dreams are only locked in here. See, if you are the one that no longer, that no longer has any other authority, that no longer has anyone else kind of telling you, here's the path to go down, that feels great, but it also creates a burden wow, I, I have to figure this out then. 
And I better not get it wrong. I have to figure it out, and I better not mess it up. If it's all on me to follow my dreams and live my truth and go after my heart, I better not get that wrong. It's all on me. And it creates a burden, which leads to, even that idea leads to some of in our culture where you see it's hard to commit to anything. It's hard to, it's hard to lock yourself into something. It's hard to even choose. And whether that's with careers or with people or with places, Think about just if you can transport yourself, let's say, 80 years ago even. And again, I'm not saying this is all bad, but just think about if you transport yourself 80 years ago and you were thinking about, who am I going to marry? Well, you basically had maybe three options. You know, you could marry Ethel, you could marry Sue, or, I, you know, I don't know. There was like a few choices that you had, and that was kind of it. And your parents probably said, hey, really, it should be Ethel. You know, she's kind of the one. Like, all right, let's go with Ethel. And that was it. That was kind of your choices. Now, and you know, for those of you that are dating or recently married, the choices are infinite. You just pull out your phone and go, not them, not them, not them, not them, not them, not them. Okay, maybe them. Okay, not them, not maybe them, maybe. And what has that led to? It promises liberation. It promises freedom. It promises choice. It promises unending possibility. And yet, really, it leads to indecision. It leads to fear of missing out. What if I would have swiped one more time? It leads to that. It leads to a burden upon us where if we are the one responsible for figuring out totally our life, our meaning, our joy, it creates a deep burden. Secondly, it leads to disappointment. It leads to disappointment because if you're told, just live your life, follow your heart, follow your dreams, you can experience whatever you want, the older that you get, the more you realize, ah, uh, that doesn't always work. Sometimes. Sometimes you follow your heart and go after it, and great, it's everything you wanted it to be. But many times you try, and it's disappointing. You try and you fail, or you try and you get it, but it still isn't, you don't reach this place and then say, yes, I've gotten everything my heart ever desired. That's why we hear so many times, even from celebrities and professional athletes and all these people that kind of get everything in the world that you could ever imagine. There's a famous quote by Tom Brady where he talks about, and this was years ago, where he talks about having won several you know, Super Bowls and has a supermodel wife and all these things. And he says, and yet it's still, I feel like there's still, stuff missing. You can reach the pinnacle of everything. You can reach all of it and still feel, ah, it's not enough. So it's disappointing. It's disappointing to be told, follow your dreams, follow your heart, live your truth, be free, when in reality, oftentimes it doesn't fulfill or we feel like a failure because, okay, I did it, but Wow, that didn't really turn out the way I thought it was going to be. I was told to just look inside and discover who I am and then be true, and yet it didn't, I didn't get my dream job. I didn't get my dream fulfilled. Like, life is still hard. There's still disappointment. There's still things that don't go the way I thought that they were supposed to go if I just was true to myself. It doesn't really satisfy. It leaves us oftentimes disappointed which often then means we either just kind of give up and are cynical, or 
we end up exhausted because we go, well, I just got to keep going then. I just have to keep, I have to buckle down harder and really follow my dream. Maybe I wasn't being true enough to myself. I really need to go even harder. So we live exhausted. We live disappointed. We live not fulfilled. Have you felt that? Third, the reality is it doesn't deliver the freedom it promises because even though we're told, be true to yourself, go after your dreams, the truth is, living totally unconstrained, unapologetically, just doing whatever you want, you do you, all of that, living like that actually limits you. It actually constrains you even more. And here's why. Because without constraint in your life, without boundaries in your life, without holding, without kind of reining in certain areas, you're never actually free. Limits create freedom. Constraints create freedom. That might sound counterintuitive, but just go along with me for a second. If you've ever rowed a boat before, we have like a blow-up inflatable raft thing, and it's got, uh, you know, uh, space for rowing together like this. Uh, this, if, if you want to be able to experience the freedom of rowing around this lake or going over here, maybe there's a cool thing over there. If you want to experience that freedom, here's what happens if you, if you row a boat. If you get in and just like, okay, I'm just going to do a little bit of this, I'm just going to do a little bit of this, and then the other person is just doing whatever they want, I'm just going to do this, and sometimes I'm going to do this, what ends up happening? You just kind of spin around or don't go anywhere. It's not until, and I've never been on a row team, but it's not until together you're saying, okay, we're going to constrain ourselves to the rules of rowing where we're going to go, okay, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. It's not until you constrain yourself that you actually have freedom to explore. If these people just said, I just want to be free and do whatever I want, and so everyone's just kind of beaten to their own drum, they wouldn't actually have freedom. This is true with many things in life. If you've ever tried to take up a musical instrument before, and you just go, I'm just going to be free. I can just kind of do whatever I want. Wow, I'm so free. Well, and stupid, yes. It's not until you, it's not until you learn the discipline of constraint that then someone that has done that can sit down and go and make beautiful music because they have learned the discipline and the constraint that actually creates freedom. Same thing if you think about education. You can't just graduate high school unless, you know, you can be an entrepreneur and start your own business and those things. But many ways that the world works is you have to constrain yourself in a discipline. You have to constrain yourself with law or medicine or business or the arts or whatever it is. You have to constrain yourself in some way, in discipline, through education, that then allows you the freedom to seek a job, to do well at your job. So oftentimes we think that just being true and total freedom and whatever I want and just live my choices, my way, will create freedom, but it doesn't. Because in life, limits and constraints that we put upon ourselves actually creates freedom. 
I love this quote from David Brooks, who's a New York Times columnist. He says, if you aren't saying a permanent no to anything, giving anything up, then you probably aren't diving into anything fully. A life of commitment means saying a thousand no's for the sake of a few precious yeses. He's saying, listen, you're probably not even experiencing life fully if you don't constrain yourself. If you think that freedom and fullness comes from what all the yeses that you ever want, you're actually not ever experiencing life fully. Fullness in life comes through constraint. And maybe if you have felt stuck in life or if you have felt like, man, I I tried to live all this way and be unapologetically free, maybe if you have felt stuck even after all of that, it might be because of exactly what David Brooks is saying or what Proverbs says, that there's a way that seems right. But it leads to death. And then the final piece of why it doesn't actually deliver the freedom that it promises is because it ends up hurting us. It ends up hurting us. Because if, if I only say, Here, here's what I want. Whatever, whatever makes me happy, whatever I want to do, that's what I'm going to do. That has a destructive effect on us and our relationships. That doesn't work in a marriage or any love relationship. It doesn't work with kids and parents. If I just say, babe, you can't tell me anything. I am unapologetically me and do whatever I want. I will be married for maybe three more hours. And that's it. That doesn't work. And many people leave marriages to say, I want to be free. I want to be unapologetically me. Because they believe that it promises them that. And they need to be free from constraint. Because to live this way of just, I'm true to me, whatever freedom I want, it hurts relationships. That's called selfishness. And it's damaging to all of our relationships when we say, you can't put anything upon me. If I said to my kids, you can't put anything upon me. You need to walk to school. You can't put any constraints upon me. I only do what I want. That hurts relationships. If I say that in marriage, it hurts. If I say it in friendships, it hurts. It hurts our relationships. It also hurts ourselves. My, we were talking, I was talking with my kids the other day. We watched a, a film. I'll show you something from that in just a second. But I said, you know, if I, if I just did whatever I wanted to do, if I just said, I just want to follow my dreams and do whatever I want, that would be watching movies all day long and eating two dozen donuts and then taking a break to have chips and beer. That would be it. And probably at least three different kinds of chips because I like variety. So that would be me doing, that's, you know, I, that's not very great. Some of you, if you said whatever I want to do and be ambitious, you would change the world and, you know, I don't know, start businesses and cure AIDS. I would eat a lot of donuts and a lot of chips. That's me following my heart, Truly. That's, I would love, and I love movies. There's so many movies that I know I'll be spending at least the first 2,000 years in heaven just watching movies that I wasn't able to see here on earth. That's me following my heart. Now, that would hurt me. It would hurt me very much, right? It would be bad for my health, but it would also be bad. I mean, ultimately, I'm sure I would be depressed and sad, and it wouldn't actually promise what it fulfilled. It might be good for a day, and that's about it. 
it hurts us and it hurts the people around us. We, the film that, we were, that I was talking about that we recently watched was a, a documentary that came out last year. It's called The Alpinist. It's a very good documentary. It's about, uh, if you ever saw the documentary Free Solo, which came out a couple years ago, very similar. Um, this man that climbs and doesn't use, I think in this picture he's got, is that a rope? No, that's just the, that's the water beneath him. But he doesn't use any ropes just climbs, and he's climbed the highest things, you know, that, are, that anyone has climbed. It's phenomenal. And to give it away, at the end of the movie, he dies. And I felt like that was coming. And the whole movie, though, the end of it, the end of it, of what they tell you, is, but he followed his dreams. He followed his dreams. He followed his dreams and he left behind a mom that he said he super loved, a girlfriend that he super loved, himself died, but he followed his dreams. And that's the message that the movie wanted you to see. This is just from one of the film critics that said, there's no denying the heart and mouth thrill of watching Leclerc in the zone, following his dreams and on his own terms, touching the sublime. That's what we're told. That's what we're promised over and over again. Follow your dreams. Do it on your own terms. Be true to yourself. And he died. And it hurt other people too. Now, that might be an extreme example, but it is the truth that doing what is right in our eyes leads to death. It hurts us. It disappoints us. It burdens us. And it actually limits us. So, the final question is this. How can we experience true freedom then? Because what I want you to understand is this. The desire to be true to yourself, the desire to experience this freedom, there is something good in that. That's what I've said. There is something undeniable that we can't... Again, what's the alternative? Just to say, well, I'm going to be fake. Okay, I've learned I'll die and a documentary will be made about me unless I'm fake. No, obviously not. I'm just going to be a slave and do whatever people tell me. No. So there is something about that that rings true and is a part of how we're created, and yet we need to look at it differently. And as we come to God and understand how faith speaks into this, we're shown how we actually can experience the freedom that is promised so let me show you four different ways. The first is this. You can experience this as you come to God and see that he made you. He made you. We heard this verse earlier. Psalm 139. For it was you, talking to God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. You see, it starts with this. We, we're often confused about who we are or we often want to create ourselves and define ourselves. But true freedom begins with understanding. I have someone that knows me. I might not know myself. There might be parts of you where you feel really confused about who you are, but you have someone who knows you, who made you, who your inward parts, who, who formed you in your mother's womb. And he says, you don't confuse me. You might confuse the other people around you. You might confuse yourself. It might be hard to know who you are, but he says, I formed you. I made you. 
I know you. You're not a mystery to me in any way. See, that leads to this freedom because, first of all, you're, you don't have to actually figure out who you are. That doesn't have to be the main concern of your life. I think it's interesting that the Bible says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, we often think that self-knowledge and self-exploration and self-discovery is the path to wisdom and then to freedom. But this tells us it's not actually true. It says that the beginning of wisdom, and I'm not saying you shouldn't know yourself or you should be blind and have zero self-awareness, but so often we are told that is the beginning. If I can look inside and discover myself, then the Bible says the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of him, when you know him, when you begin to understand who he is, when you live seeking to live your life revolved around him and understanding him, that's actually the beginning path, not self-discovery. The beginning path of wisdom and of freedom is to know him. And because he made you, you know who you are, which who you are is someone made in his image, which means you are made to show what God is like and display what God is like, which means the more that you actually know him, the more you actually know yourself because you were made to image him. The more that you get to know him, the more that you actually discover a true self-knowledge because who you really are is who he made you to be. So as we come to him, we begin to understand that we don't have to have the angst of self-discovery and looking inside, but we look to him. Second thing is as we come to him, he directs our life. See, we don't want constraint. We don't want people controlling us in any way. We don't want any authority. But what the Bible actually tells us, what Jesus tells us, is that sin is slavery. And we have, you know, depending on how you think about sin, you can think about sin as not doing the things that we're supposed to do or, or um, doing things we shouldn't do. But sin is also essentially what Adam and Eve were tempted with in the garden, to be like God, to be totally free of any constraint, to be centered on ourself as our own authority. And that actually is slavery. Jesus says this, if you continue in my word, which means if you listen to what I say and follow me and obey me, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we think that we need to be true to ourselves, and that will free us. Jesus says, no, you need to know the truth, which comes as you listen to my word and follow me. That is the truth. That sets you free. Truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son, talking about himself, Jesus, if the son sets you free, you will really be free. Jesus says that sin enslaves us. The desire for autonomy, authority, controlling our life, that actually enslaves us, which is part of what we looked at. And it's only as we come to him and say, okay, you speak to me, you direct me, you give me actual truth, that then we experience freedom. 
And there's so many ways in which this is true. But if you think about it, you're not living true if you're not living to who you were actually created to be. If you think that it is freeing to get revenge on people, that's not actually the person that you were created to be. If you think it's freeing to be selfish, that's not actually freeing you to who you were created to be. Only when we live in line with who we were created to be, which Jesus, as our creator, knows, do we actually experience freedom. It's like a train on tracks. This train can only be who it was really designed to be if it follows the constraints of the people that created it. That's what tracks are. If the train just says, I want to be free and I want to go wherever I want and be whoever I want and do whatever I want, that sounds great. If the train says, I'm going to be unapologetically me and just drives off the tracks, that destroys things. It's only when the train is following the tracks that it's able to go at full speed and enjoy its full trainness. And I know I'm, you know, giving anthropomorphic image, but still, maybe I watched Thomas the Train too much. Um, but the train is able to fully experience all of its trainness as it lives into its design. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, I created you. I know you. Sin or the desire to be totally autonomously free and not under my authority, that enslaves you. That traps you. If you listen to my word and continue in what I say, if you stay on the right track, if you listen to my voice, you actually are free. Listen, Jesus is not anti-freedom. He wants to free you. He says, you will be truly free if you listen to me. He is pro-freedom. He wants you to experience a life of freedom, of going full speed and enjoying all you were created to be. But the way that that comes is through conforming to his voice in your life, listening to him, letting him define who you are and what life is, showing us what is good and what's right, showing us what is wrong and what's destructive. He leads us on the right track where we experience what we were actually made for which also ends up freeing us from the burden of having to create our own meaning and figure out our own life because it's not all on me anymore. I'm following him where he's taking me. The burden of being the one that is figuring out and controlling myself, might, that might, again, it might sound great to say I'm separate from anybody else, but when we come to him, we can actually say, okay, I will follow you. And there's a rest that comes from that. There's a rest that comes from I'm not in control. Instead, I'm going with the one that is. Third, it gives the good in life that we desire to happen. Paul says this in Romans, But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. He says you're free from sin, and now you're enslaved to God. 
That's strong language. We don't like that language, right? We don't like to be told that we're a slave of anyone or anything. I'm unapologetically free, me, follow my. But he says, you are freed from this. And now you are enslaved. You're under his authority. You submit to him. And it leads to your fruit. It leads to good in your life. It leads to good change in your life. It leads to good results in your life. It leads to blessing in your life. It leads to you being a blessing in your life. We don't like to be enslaved, but the truth is sometimes we do sign up for a voluntary be my master. That might be to a doctor. We say, I can't figure this out myself. Tell me what to do and I will submit to you. Because we hope it leads to fruit. We hope it leads to change and to something good. We might do that with our finances. I don't know how to handle my money, Mr. Financial Planner. Tell me what to do. It might come as we go to a counselor or a therapist and we say, tell me what to do. Help me figure my life out. Where we submit ourselves, whether it's a fitness coach or a nutritionist or whoever you have voluntarily submitted yourself to, you're saying this person has an authority, an experience, a wisdom that's beyond mine. And so if I, I know we don't say enslave myself, but if I enslave myself to them, that will lead to a good fruit that it results in. Paul is saying, that's what happens here. Yes, you are giving up your authority. Yes, you are giving up your autonomy. Yes, you are giving up the, the right to just be true to you and do whatever you want. But what that does is free you to actually experience the good and the fruit that you want in life and that God wants to give to you in life. And then the final thing is this. It gives to us a confidence. It gives a confidence to us. It gives, it gives the safety, actually, that we, that we want and desire from being true to ourselves, Because it's not just that he is commanding us. It is true. He commands us, tells us what to do. He's better than us, wiser than us. But it's also that he's saying, I'm not just telling you what to do. I want you to belong to me. I want you to be close to me. I love how Paul says this. This is in a context where he's talking about sexual immorality and all sorts of other things. But he says this phrase, don't you know your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God? And then look, you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. You're not your own. Now, again, that might sound like, ah, I'm not my own. But the beauty of it is you were bought with a price which means it's not just that he's this commander telling us what to do and that he knows best. It is that, but it's more than that. It's that we can experience the safety. See, you and I believe that we know ourself and we trust ourselves to deliver ourselves a good life. But he says, you're not your own and you were bought with a price. You belong to him and he was willing to pay everything to have you. He was willing to sacrifice his own blood. He was willing to have his body broken. He was willing to do those things and bought you at a price to make you his. He's not a kidnapper that made you his by saying, now you're mine. Do what I say and just trust me, it'll be good. It says, I bought you 
The Bible uses adoption language in other places to say, I, I brought you into my family. You belong to me. Yes, I'm the authority. Yes, listen to my voice. But listen, you, you're mine. And I paid a heavy price to get you in that place. See, we want to be true to ourselves because we believe that's safest. Because we don't really trust other authorities and other voices. And there's some good reason for that. But with him, if we understand, he gave up everything for me. He, he, he gave up everything to become my authority. He gave up everything so that I'm not my own anymore. He was willing to do that. Then I trust him. Then I see he's not just wise. He paid for me with his own life, his own blood to make me his. This creates a confidence that in following him and in listening to him and in letting him define us and in not just being true to myself but in letting his truth enter into my life and lead me, it creates a confidence this will go well because this is one that paid everything to make me his. We all want to be true to ourselves or to experience the freedom that is promised that comes from that. How can we experience that without all the disappointment that is often so inherent in it? How can we experience that without being enslaved? The answer is only as we come to the one that gives true freedom. Only as we come to him. Let him define us. Let him lead us. Let his truth free us. When we take communion, which we're going to do in just a moment, if you didn't get a little cup, you can grab it in the back, but we're remembering this being bought at a price that it was through his body broken and his blood shed. It was through that that we experienced the true freedom that we long for. Freedom from sin, freedom from Satan, freedom from death ultimately, freedom from even our desires that enslave us and cause us to live a life that hurts us. Freedom from confusion and false constraint. Freedom to know him and enjoy him and actually become who we were meant to be. This is the true freedom that we desire. And so as we take communion, I just want to encourage you to pray and to present your heart to God. To If there's ways in which you have been trying to just live in the I need to be totally free, true to myself, I define me, I decide what's right for me, my happiness comes as I follow my dreams and my heart. If you've been trying to live that way, I want to encourage you to confess to God and say, I've been trying to really be my own authority and be totally free from you. And then to ask him to lead you, to direct you, and to help you to trust that his truth and his constraint and his leadership is better. And if there's particular areas in your life or particular situations, bring those to him too. Just talk to him about them. And as you take communion, remember, I can trust him. I'm not my own. He bought me with a price. I'll be in the back if anyone would like prayer for healing or for any of the things that we spoke about. Father, I thank you that you are good and that we can trust you, that we can present our lives to you and know that uh, you 
are not trying to take from us, but that you want our freedom even more than we want. You want to give us true freedom. You want to really set us free, as you said, Jesus. So help us to trust. Help us to believe. And help us, Lord, to um, confess and surrender the ways where we desperately want to just be our own authority. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.